We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm Alan Seslowski from Rotowire.com and Rotowire's YouTube channel. Each week on this podcast, I invite a unique guest who provides actionable intel from either the dynasty game best ball or like today's guest high stakes fantasy football redraft leagues we are excited to have greg ambrosius from the nffc greg and his business partner tom kesnick own and operate the long-running high stakes fantasy sports platform greg provides a few great tips on how you can compete with the best fantasy football players in the world in his contest, which offers a quarter million dollar grand prize. To enter high stakes contests on the NFFC, check out the link in the video description below or go to playnffc.com and play in the Rotowire Online Championship. You know what I was actually, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, you guys have been doing this for like 20-something, maybe even like longer than that, 20 years. What were you doing before that you got into like the fantasy football business and started the NFFC? Yeah, so I was the editor of Fantasy Baseball Magazine in 1989. I mean, we were the first magazine out there. And uh, uh, so I did that for 12 years, and I was the president of the traded conference and stuff like that. So that was really how I got started. I mean, I was in the Hall of Fame already before I started the NFFC and NFBC. So I was a edit, you know, I was a content guy. That was really it. So, but I met, you know, what I'm saying. Like, and by the way, this is meant as a compliment. What What were you doing when you had like a real job? Because you know, fantasy football wasn't considered a real job. I mean, what were you, what was your for like when you were living the normal person's life before you were doing fantasy content and baseball? How long ago was that, and what were you doing? So I graduated with a journalism major and I was in the newspapers for seven years. I was a sports editor of newspapers. And then on the day of the 1989 draft, when the Packers took Tony Mandarich, I saw an ad in the Green Bay Press Gazette looking for an editor of a fantasy baseball magazine. I had been playing fantasy baseball and it was in Wisconsin and it was a small town called Iola. I lived in Wisconsin my whole life. I never even heard of Iola. I didn't know where it was. I get up there for the interview and it's a town of 1,000 people, but it's an immaculate building. They had just a big company there, and they were doing hobby publications, and they felt the next big hobby was going to be fantasy baseball, and they were going to start a magazine. They hired me as the editor. I was the editor of that. It was also 1989 when Upper Deck got into the baseball mm. card industry, and so I was also editing Baseball Cards magazine. So from 1989 until 2004, I was editing 
two different magazines. That was my full-time job doing that. But I was in fantasy full-time, but yeah. I was also in the baseball card industry full-time. So, uh, and then, of course, I became the president of the Fantasy Sports Trade Association in 2000. We started that in 1998. And uh, I was involved in the industry. Like I said, I was actually in the Hall of Fame, the Fantasy Sports Trade Association Hall of Fame, as a writer, as a content guy, uh, before I started the high stakes games. Yeah. And I'll, for anyone watching on the video, I'll explain a little bit about uh, the background and why we're happy here today, Greg Ambrosius of the NFFC. But anyone listening on the audio podcast will have already gotten my full intro bio for you. But uh, this is the time of the year that people get excited. We're in the, you know, the July, August cusp where people really get excited about high stakes fantasy football. And I was explaining your game, the NFFC game at playnffc.com to a friend of mine who has not yet played it. And what I found myself was, not only was I doing like this commercial for him, but I was talking about it and like my neck hairs were standing up. And I know I'm not alone in this. Why do you think people are just, what do you think it is about NFFC specifically, their, your platform that gets people really excited and passionate about it? I mean, you have the most, some of the most dedicated OG players. And frankly, I think some of the, mo the best players uh, in the whole fantasy football space. Yeah, I think it's two things. One, it's the community. People really get along together. You know, one of the first things we did when, when we had the live events, are, these guys are flying in from all over and they're going to compete against each other. And we had free beer there and such, and they're <laughs> just drinking and talking. They just found that there's like-minded people like them that want to do this and compete and put money up. And so we have a great community. It started with the message boards, now live events and such like that. So I think it's the community for sure. But number two is it's so damn competitive. I mean, I watched our guys and especially baseball. I mean, these guys are just so good. I can't compete with them. I mean, you've competed in football. You know, it's very tough. It's just a very, very tough audience. And all these guys want to compete. When they see a good player enter a league, they want to get in there. I've got a friend, Randy Michaels. He says, tell me what leagues Chad's in. I want to go against mm. the best. I want to go against them. So it's people that aren't afraid to put their money where their mouth is and compete against the best guys. And we really do have a lot of great guys. I mean, this industry has just blossomed since we started in 2004. When I first started, I thought, who would put $1,200 up, $1,250 up to compete in a fantasy football or baseball league, right? I mean, I like to play for $100 or so, but I never thought. And to think now that, you know, we have 20,000 different teams in our contest and every range from $25 to $20,000 a team. There's just a great audience out there that wants to compete against the best. They're not afraid to compete against the best. Yeah, I've been playing uh, the NFFC's platform, high stakes platform for this will be my ninth year. So, you know, I, I talk about a lot of these OG guys, but I'm almost a decade in myself. And, <laughs> you know, and I can relate to what you were saying. You know, I've been playing $100 leagues, $200 leagues, $50 leagues forever. Right. And I was like, I'm better than like, I want to see if I can compete against the best. And, you know, for hearing the Rotowire guys on the years for the radio, I was like, I want to, you know, that was my, I want to compete against Chris Liss and Jeff right. and, and Jeff Erickson. And that's how I got into it. But once you're absorbed in your platform, you really, uh, it's, you realize it's just every, you have everything figured out, all the details, no trading in a, in a stranger danger league. Yep. You have playing against uh, an all in play the first two weeks, being able to set your lineup. And we're going to get uh, after the Thursday game because there's still drafts going. Every, right. You guys have thought of every detail. So <laughs> what we want to do today is I know it sounds kind of, you know, just very, hey, we're going to help you win $250,000. <laughs> but I really I think that there are tips that you that you have that you're not hovering yourself, you, you that you can make public that gives people chances to optimize their chances to not only compete and win their league, but has a real shot 
when those final three weeks hit to hit to play for the 250. So let's go over a few of those tips. And before that, though, I just wanted to ask you, how did you meet Tom Kesnick, your your partner with this whole venture? How did you guys come together? Uh, when had you meet? And then when was the, the, the idea? When did it spawn to do the NFFC? Sure. It's a great question. So again, I was doing the magazine. I was the editor of Fantasy Baseball Magazine and Baseball Cards Magazine from 1990 uh, through 2002. And uh, in 1999, it was getting so big. Both magazines were so big. I was writing everything. I wrote every player profile. I wrote all the projections. I did everything. And I finally had to raise my hand. I had my second child at that point, And I said, I need help. And my boss said, yes, you do. You're doing an awful lot. And so let's hire somebody. Tom Kessenick had been covering the Packers from 92, I think, until 99. And Gannett was buying up papers in the northeastern Wisconsin area and combining them. So Tom was going to lose his job as the beat writer for the Green Bay Packers, knew my boss, came to interview I had been reading about him the whole time. Packers went to the Super Bowl in 96, 97. Tom's writing every player note and everything and following the team. So we hired him on the spot. So I hired him in December of 99. He started writing for us uh, on Fantasy Baseball Magazine and helping me on the Baseball Cards Magazine. I went to the World Championship of Fantasy Football in 2002. Now, if anybody knows about WCOFF, that was the one. Okay, so. The one. In- 2002, the ba- the magazine industry is going down the hill. We fold Baseball Cards Magazine in 2002, August, and I'm thinking, I don't have much longer left. I really don't. I fly out to WCOFF just as a witness. I didn't even have a team. A friend invited me out there. I thought this thing was not going to fly. $1,250 a team, $200,000 grand prize, and everybody fly to Las Vegas and draft live. That just didn't seem like a doable concept. I get out there. They rent out the ESPN zone on the strip, including the bridge outside. There's 552 teams there, about 900 people with co-managers, and they're just partying and having fun and everything. The next morning, we go over to the park or to the MGM Grand. They've got the big ballroom, and they're not ready yet, so we're all standing outside. They're about a half an hour late. They open the doors, and all you see is 47 tables. The guy behind me hollers, this is the fucking Super Bowl of fantasy football. And I go, you're fucking right it is. (laughs) This was unbelievable. My eyes just opened. I couldn't believe it. What Lenny Papano and Emil Cadillac had done was unbelievable. Now, they lost money that first year. And as I'm sitting there, And it wasn't well run. They had temporary people that didn't know the players and stuff, but it was amazing. Everybody saw what was going to be unreal and $200,000 grand prize there, right? They have a lunch at the break after round 10. I go out there and I find Emil and I say to Emil. Who's Emil? Emil Cadillac, who started it up, okay? Him and Lenny started up, Emil Cadillac. And Emil's been running magazines. He's been a competitor of mine for a long time. But I knew him, and we're friendly. Plenty of space for multiple magazines, right? So I come up to Emil, and I say, Emil, this is unbelievable. You know I know baseball. I had a big name in the baseball industry. We could do this for baseball. I'll do it with you with baseball. And he's looking down there, and he's looking at the line as guys are going through the line. Of course, he's paying for everything, right? And he goes, 
they're taking three sodas. <laughs> what he meant was he knew he was paying for the extra sodas. He had a bunch. He was so stressed. He said to me, call me when this is done. I said, right, absolutely. Right. I get on the plane. I'm starting to think about it, right? And so I came up with the rules for fantasy baseball for mm. what I was going to do. And I approached them. And at that time, they had put a lot of money into football and really didn't want to share any of the football they didn't know anything about baseball. They would give me the baseball part, you know, and they'd keep the football, but it just didn't work. Our company was in the middle of being sold at that time. And so management wasn't up for it. So I actually wrote all the rules, went to my management team and said, I think this could fly. I mean, there's an example out there. They said no for a year and a half. And finally in 2004, they said, go ahead. Lenny and Amos took my rules and did baseball for two years. It didn't take off. When I came in with baseball, blew them away and then they stopped baseball so i started in 2004 wcoff had two years in 2002 2003 and in fact baseball i lost a lot of money came out with football and i did a 14 team contest only i did not want to compete with them they had the 12 team market so i did a 14 team contest that probably was a mistake it was popular for a little while but 14 teams is very very tough and the churn rate People just didn't come back, didn't come back. So in 2008, I started a 12-team as well, and now our 12-team is just huge. So when you're when you're uh, offering a large prize like that, I mean, are you sweating out not <laughs> filling it, or do you do you take out some insurance just in case? How does that work, even in modern day times? Like, how, you you guys will offer a quarter million dollars. I mean, nowadays, I'm sure football, no problem filling it up, but until it's actually filled up, do you have like sweat pouring down the back of your neck? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you have no idea. I mean, even today at the 250,000 we do NFBC main event, I sweat all the time, even though we sell it out 18 straight years. It's unbelievable. You know, you don't want to fail. Okay. And that's the biggest part of my job is knowing what the guarantees are going to be. Okay. You have to know in advance how many you can realistically get. You can't just throw out, you know, a huge number. And so here's the thing. We were an employee-owned company in 2002. I worked at Krause Publications. We were an employee-owned company. Every month, they put up how much our revenue was, how much our profits were. So I come up with this idea, right? We're going to do this. We'll guarantee 100000 in baseball. Football, we said we'll guarantee $200,000. We sucked. We did not make the guarantees. We lost a lot of money. I'm now working at an employee-owned company. And they have to put up there that I just cost the company $100,000, right? Our stock could go down because of that. So there was so much pressure. Those first years, I was just feeling so much pressure. Yeah. Now there's pressure to fill it up, but we know that we're going to be pretty darn close. Uh, and, and most times we do fill it up. But absolutely. I mean, we got two $250,000 grand prize. We have $100,000 grand prize, $30,000 grand prize, 10000 I mean, we have eight national contests in the NFFC this year, all with guaranteed prizes. So without a doubt, it uh, is stressful. Yeah, as a, like I said, as a longtime player, I've been lobbying Peter now, because you know, RotoWire partners with the NFFC. We have the RotoWire Online Championship, which again, I, I think is one of the best contests that you run. I, I employ everybody to go over to playonfc.com, check out the RotoWire Online Championship, get into one of those drafts. They're $350, 12-team leagues, uh, third-round reversal. They'll be popping off. And I think this year I've been lobbying Peter to give a beat Alan Seslowski league because Absolutely. I know I could fill that thing in, you know, a day or two because only because I'm so passionate about the product. So he said, yes, so we're going to get that going as well. Good. 
And uh, I've already have four people, my friends, I said, you're playing this year. They're like, I'm in, <laughs> I'm in. So it's an addictive format because, again, yes, you, you want to win that big prize. And we're going to tell everybody right now a couple tips on how they can do that. But just competing in your league and, you know, you, and we'll get into all the details. It's a lot of fun. The drafts are great, especially when there's a lively chat and a lot of yeah. shit talking, which, you know, if I'm in your league, there's definitely going to be chat. So, Good. All right. yeah. So pick a date and time. We'll get it done. I promise. I, you know what? I, you're always very generous to me. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> all right. So let's just talk about basic strategy here. So yeah. how the NFFC runs their, their leagues is you guys allow KDS Kentucky Derby style, which means you get to choose, pick and choose your draft slot. Is I mean, you you guys, I'm assuming, started that and third round reversal because right. is the rumor is because of Ladanian Tomlinson. Is that true? With like the, did the original NFFC have third round reversal in KDS? No. So again, we were 14 teams in 2004 when we launched, right? And we went one to 14 serpentine all the way, right? So the first year we get it out there and we formed the leagues and I'm so excited. We had actually a day when you could watch who, who what league you're in and what pick you got. I'm so pumped. As soon as we announce all the picks, my phone starts ringing and this guy's going, you just screwed me. You gave me the 14th pick. I can't win from 14. Oh, like, so you, you picked the slots. You, oh, ran, you, yeah, we, you drew them out of a hat. You know, I even had my nine-year-old daughter do it at, with yeah. us and we were picking them out of the hat. And we would announce it. It was totally random. And it was just one phone call after another. I can't win from 13. You know that. I'm like, whoa. So we go through 2004, we go through 2005, LaDainian Tomlinson just dominates. All the winners are from the front of the draft, right? right. Sean Alexander, I mean, who right. else? Was, well, right. Priest Holmes was early on and stuff, you know. Right. Marshall Falk was early on. I mean, it was no doubt. It was, a, if, it was a decided advantage to be in the first two or three picks. And in a 14-teamer, no doubt it was. Mm -hmm. A 12-teamer, yes, but a 14-teamer, no. So... By 2006, people were saying there is this third round reversal. I said, sign me up. I am going to try this. And people were like, how can you do it and all that kind of stuff? So we did third round reversal, which was good. But the kicker is KDS. And what KDS is, it's called the Kentucky Derby system. Okay. Some trainers know their horse does not run well on the one on the rail. Mm. Right. Mm. So they could get randomly picked. And the trainer says, I need him on the outside. He picks 14. Okay. The next guy, he doesn't want to be on the rail or the outside. He likes his horse in the middle, and he can get off to a good start. Whatever. That was the Kentucky Derby system. So we said, you tell us what your preferences are. That doesn't mean you're going to get them, right? So they really, they really do this in the Kentucky Derby. Like, this actually happens. Not only that, they did it for years, and then they stopped doing it for some reason. Somebody said, we should just do it random and not let the trainers pick. Now they're back to doing this. That's why it's KDS, Kentucky Derby system. This is a real thing. That happens. And so we followed that. So for us, the combination of the two is perfect. It gives you the chance to tell me where you want to draft. It gives you the chance to plan a strategy. A lot of our guys, especially in baseball, Lindy Hinkleman won from the 11 spot. That was his first preference, right? He won the overall. He knew who he wanted at 11 and he knew he was getting in round two and he thought he knew who was coming in round three. He planned his draft based on where he was going to draft. That's what you can do here. Nobody else does this in the industry. You get the 12th pick. Okay, I'll take 12 and I'll go from 12. But here we allow you to tell us what your preferences are. A lot of people don't want one, two, and three, especially with third round reversal, right? Now you got 124 and 36. A lot of people like 12. Now it's 12, 13, 25, okay? So the combination of KDS and 3RR. So the one winning tip I will give you is, Know the contest format, right? 
We have six points per passing touchdown too. Don't just sign up for our contest and not realize we have third round reversal. KDS, set your KDS, please. It'll help you. You can go one through 12 and get whatever spot randomly you're gotten. That's fine. But I'm telling you what, you may want to look at 10, 11, five, six, look at the draft. So, so know the format. And then one other thing I know the format, we have two fabs, right? We have Wednesday night and Saturday night. Okay. So let's say something happens between Wednesday and or Thursday morning and, and Sunday, you can still get a chance to pick somebody up. Maybe it's a kicker, maybe it's whatever, you know, so uh, know, know the, know the format, know the contest format, six points per passing touchdown, three RR KDS and the fab two times a week. Yeah, so here's that's uh, and yes, all those things. By the way, the the three years that I won my league prize in the Beat Chrysalis League, I picked from 11, 9, and 10. That was strategic. I liked the two top 15 players, top 14 yep. players, and then I liked the top of the third round. So, it, especially in 2022, and we're going to talk about specifics of uh, of that of our the draft this year, but I think that there's every first round pick like I hate it except for Jonathan Taylor. I mean, and we'll get into why in the wins and maybe yeah. Justin Jefferson qualifies as, you know, as a legitimate number one. But my first tip uh, for everybody is also, even though it's a single quarterback league, it's essentially a two quarterback league in a sense where I, in the leagues I've been in 10 of the, or nine of the teams roster two quarterbacks or more. Right now, that may not be optimal, but it's the way it is. So if you want to draft, if you're going to wait on quarterback in your format where you have 10 bench spots, just understand it's not Kirk Cousins or QB 16 on the waiver wire. It's QB 23 on the waiver wire. Usually in the contest I've been in, every league is going to be different. So just understand. And this was bore out in some of the Yahoo data. They said, even in single quarterback home leagues, which I know is very different yeah. is that most people, <clears throat> most drafters take two quarterbacks because they think they need a backup. Now they may shed that backup, but just understand that, that if you're going to wait on quarterback, uh, just be aware of when the, the striking points are. And that's a, yeah. Go ahead. Do you want to comment on that before I yeah. ask you about Yeah. Well, again, we have 20 roster spots, so you do mm -hmm. have 10 bench spots. I would definitely take two quarterbacks. And like there you, you say, certainly, but like, like I just did the FSGA league at 16 roster spots. Okay. You don't have to take a second quarterback there because you're going to churn through anyways with the bye weeks and such. And hopefully your quarterback doesn't have a bye until week eight or nine or whatever, but 20 roster spots, 10 reserve spots, get two quarterbacks. You have enough room on your roster for a second quarterback. All right. Now, this was when I was explaining your contest to uh, to a couple of friends of mine who are excited about they're going to be in it. They all three of the four asked me the same question. And I kind of know the answer to this. But even though there's no trading, how do you stop and prevent what's the red flags for collusion or cheating? Like, what are some of the things that you guys have in place, the systems without revealing your systems? Sure. But what are the things that you look out for to prevent uh, and I've never seen it in any of the times. And I, this would be true of any operator. Look, DraftKings busted people a couple years ago uh, that they thought were that looked fishy. So what do you guys do to prevent either cross league or two people being in the same league that are have a plan to basically take down the contest themselves? Yeah, absolutely. It's a good question, too. So it's no trading league. So that's the biggest thing, right? So mm -hmm. how can you collude? You can collude by cutting players and having a buddy pick them up. So it comes down to fab and cuts. That's the collusion part. Uh, could three brothers get in the same league? Possibly, but we would see it right away and, and call or find out about. But again, we'd keep an eye on that. But that's the one is the fab 
collusion. Now, this happened in baseball a couple years ago. I don't know if it's 2016, 2017. We got to the all-star break in baseball, and we and a, a customer of ours alerted us that somebody was cutting some good players, and we saw it time to time, but they weren't first round, second round, third round. They were fifth round, sixth round. All of a yeah. sudden, the same guy started picking them up, and all of a sudden, we looked at that league, and we called them on it. They said that wasn't what was happening, but we shut the entire league down. We refunded everybody. It was a national contest. It was an online championship, actually, and we moved on. They said yeah. they were going to sue us because they didn't do anything, and nobody sued us because they were doing it. They were doing it. And so every week we have to look at the cuts, and we have to we can pull out a cut if it doesn't uh, meet our standards. Uh, that doesn't mean that uh, we don't allow that guy to cut him. We just pull that player right out of the uh, pool. So, right. so really, it's the cuts and the fab that we watch for collusion. Right. So just using an extreme example, if somebody cut uh, Jonathan Taylor, a healthy Jonathan Taylor, or right. a Jonathan Taylor that was going to be out for two weeks in and cut cut him, you would immediately be red flag to that. You would go to that league, and you would just take him out of the player pool. Right? If you don't want him, no one can have him. Correct, because nobody else in the overall contest is getting the chance to pick up Jonathan Taylor. So, again, it's a cut in one league. If he got hurt and he was out for three weeks or so and we're in week 10 and four or five leagues cut him, we'd let the leagues play out. We really would. That happened with Adrian Peterson one year, I think. Absolutely, and we do allow leagues to play out. And some people say you should be – we try to be as hands-off as possible. But a healthy Jonathan Taylor or Jonathan Taylor being cut in only one league in a national contest – we pull him out because nobody else gets a chance to pick him up. That league continues to move forward. That owner did what he wanted to do. He cut him, right? He picked somebody else up for him. Go win the title then without him, but we pull him out of the league. So we are very cognizant of that. Nothing's better than our reputation, right? If our reputation is ever soiled, then the contest will never prosper. Yeah. So where's the cut line with that? Like what player <laughs> is it a top 50, top hundred player? Where's the player? Where's the cut line where you're saying, Hey, this, this doesn't feel right. We do not have a no cut list. We do not have a no cut list. So mm-hmm. it could be Aaron judge who isn't a top pick right during on draft day, but now is the best player in baseball or whatever. Okay. So we could take Aaron judge out if he was cut in one mm-hmm. national contest that we felt was unfair and felt like it could have been, done for a reason to help out somebody that he knows or something, we would pull him out. We do not have a no-cut list. Even our tech guys are saying, you probably should have a no-cut list. It doesn't make any sense. A first-rounder could be cut. A guy could be terrible, right? He could be cut, and we would have a no-cut list? That doesn't make any sense. So this is very discretionary on our part. We're very hands-on. It is not tech solution. It is Tom and me and Derek. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, last year, Christian McCaffrey would have been a reasonable cut, even though, you know, he was he was missing clips of five and six weeks at a time. It's a very interesting situation. I'm sure somebody we, would have picked we him would up. Allow it. We would allow it in that situation. I mean, he could get picked up. He could be the difference maker in the championship round, but he probably was being cut in multiple leagues. Again, mm-hmm. if he was only cut in one league in the national, we might pull him out if the next week he got cut multiple times, you know, we'd have to reconsider. But uh, the, the biggest thing is just not allowing one league to have an advantage over all of them right. in the championship right. round. I'm so happy that you decided to 
add Superflex this year. I know that, that your <laughs> core your core audience are traditionalists and the OGs, they love the one quarterback. Yeah. But I was always, you know, I was kind of hounding you and hounding Tom, uh, yeah. just, you know, with you know, add Superflex. Like there's an audience for it. Now you see that there, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, it's still early in draft season. Yeah. So how many Superflex contests from a percentage are you going to, are you going to have a national contest or are they only league contests? Explain the whole so, Superflex, Superflex rollout this year. Sure. So the reason why we didn't do Superflex in the past is a tech reason. I mean, when you add that quarterback to that flex spot, it's not an easy thing. Like it wouldn't yeah. affect it. It really does have a lingering effect on the entire software. So we, you know, we came to Sports Hub in 2017. We rolled out our own software in 2018. We had been with stats up until that point. So we weren't about to mess with the new software. We wanted to get everything right. And right now, I think our software is the best in the industry. The fab is the best in the industry. Our that draft room is the best. That. The fab is definitely the best in the industry. And There's the no draft room too. That. Draft room's the best. Yeah, draft room is great. And our draft, everything is work. So we weren't going to mess with that until we felt comfortable there. So we went to the software last year and they said, yes, we can do Superflex. And it does take a lot of work. I'm not kidding you. Uh, to add that quarterback there. So now we've just rolled it out as private leagues. Okay. We've got a four hour draft going right now. It's fantastic for the first five picks for quarterbacks. It's totally different. And Tom and I talked about this on our show on Wednesday. Remember it's six points per passing touchdown. I think you got to get two quarterbacks early in our scoring format because there isn't a flex a, a fourth wide receiver or a third running back that is going to score as much as a second quarterback in our scoring system, right? A, a QB 23 or 24 is going to score 20 or 21 points a game. You're not finding that from a fourth wide receiver. Right. Like where's, where would Zach Wilson be ranked among wide receivers? He'd be like wide receiver six. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. I know. You know? That's so. what I mean. I mean, if you want to fill up, you, I think, so some, we saw nine teams took two quarterbacks in the first four rounds. I told Tom, I think everybody should have two quarterbacks by the end of the fourth round because in that super flex, that flex position is going to score 20 points. So, so the rollout is we're doing private leagues. We want to see how much interest there is. Come on, Chris List. You said you wanted us to do this. Get a team in a super flex and let's go. We'll do nightly drafts. We've got slow drafts right now. And if there is enough interest, we will roll out a national contest next year. The key is, What's the grand prize, Greg? You know, is it 5,000? Is it 10,000? Here we go again. Do I stick my butt out on the line to try and make this work and say $20,000 and then we fall short? I don't want to do that. So right. I see, I need to see the demand this year from this audience. Proof of concept. We'll exactly. And prove the concept to me and then we'll do the, the grand prize next year. So yeah, I the think goal that's... is I would like to do a national contest next year. But I like that. I like that, that you're doing it this way first because when I'm, you know, if I'm going to do a super, when, not if, when I'm yeah. doing a super flex on the NFFC, I don't want it to be a national contest. Right. I just want like to win my league. I, I know how the other one works. I want to see how the super flex market plays out because you said something very interesting. Now I play in a ton of super flex leagues. I'm okay. in over 30 dynasty leagues. The super flex market is really different from from market to market, right? I mean, I think everybody agrees there's a tier one or you know, of three or four players, depending on if you have Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow. So let's call it five players. And then I think it's reasonable to then change to position players, but every draft is going to be different. I've been in drafts where Kirk Cousins goes at pick 12, and I've been in drafts where Kirk Cousins goes in the third round because yeah. people aren't sure yet how to do it. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't think everyone, everyone thinks, oh, Zach Wilson, Tua, they suck. No, yeah. they're going to get you 20 points a game. And, you know, whoever you, Brandon Cooks is going to get you 11 or 12. So it's a yeah. very interesting dichotomy there. And I agree with you. And I think some people feel like just because we're adding Superflex, we've got this audience of players that are just going to dive into it. Well, our, our audience, 
doesn't play super flex. So I think a lot of our high stakes guys may try it out, but a lot of them may just not. They're they're centered on their format to win the grand prize in our contest. But what I think it can do is bring in new customers. Like you said, you're in leagues that I'm sure a lot of aren't playing on our contest. So we have a $150 entry fee, $1,100 league prize. That's a nice little payout. Maybe we'll get new people to try our format like our software, like the draft room, and try out our other contests as well. So so it's good. And this is how we've expanded from years. I mean, again, we've got eight national contests. We didn't start with eight national contests in 2004. We had one. We had one for a long time. Then we added the prime time. Then we added the online championship in 2009. And then we added the draft champions. Then the cut line. You know, it just keeps progressing. Superflex is that next progression. Okay, we're going to take a quick break right here. When we come back, we're going to talk about a few more tips on how you can win the 250K in the national NFFC contest, the single quarterback, the, the league that you guys have been doing forever. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we're back. Okay, YouTube audience, you're right here with us. You didn't have to uh, suffer through the commercials, but thanks for the podcast audience. For I didn't have enough time to go get a beer, to be truthful. Go ahead, man. If, what they say, you can't, uh, you can't drink all day if you don't start early, right? So, <laughs> I like that. I'm at the yeah, cabin, so that makes sense. That comes straight from our own Jake Latarski. So that's, uh, that's his. Uh, and But the Rotowire uh, Vegas trip is this uh, Sunday, I believe. So oh, okay. we'll all be out there, yeah, as you know. Have you been out there for the, for the Vegas trip? I have not. I've heard all about it. I yeah. assume Chris is back in the States for this. Is that right? Yeah, he'll not? be there. Chris okay. will be there. He's uh, he'll be making a, a cameo appearance as I call it. Right. Beautiful. Say so, hi to everyone for me. Will do. Will do. All right. So in your, in the NFFC's format three, you start two running backs, three receivers, one tight end, one flex, one quarterback, one defense, one team kicker. I like that you went to team kicker. Yeah. That was the one headache, which I, yeah. I did it, but now it's like Justin Tucker gets hurt. I don't have to scramble. I mean, Correct. I don't even know who the backup kicker would be, Correct. but at least I would get the kicker. And yeah. especially if uh, if I missed it, the fab ran. Now you have Saturday, which is a little better, but team yeah. kicker was the solution. That was the answer. Well, it was, and it happened because of the pandemic. You know, a kicker could have been out on that Sunday, and that would have been terrible. So we went to team kicker, and everybody liked it. But here's the thing. You don't have to have two kickers now, right? So you just have to have one. So it frees up one roster spot for you as well. So I think team kicker was the answer. It was proven that it's the answer. We'll never go back to individual kickers. Yeah. I mean, it would be the same thing as, I mean, team defense is a little different because it's always been right. team defense uh, in the super flex leagues. Do you still have kicker and defense by the way? Yes, we do. Yep. Right. Same you know, format. That- Everything's the same except for the flex involves a quarterback. 
last thing I want to ask you about the super flex format is that you changed a wide receiver to a super flex position, right? So is it, or is it, no. is, so no, there's not. still three receivers. Correct. You just added an additional starting roster spot. No, we just made the, the flex position, a super flex position. So Got it's still it. starting 10. Uh, okay. So that no, makes Nothing's sense. changed. Just the quarterback's been allowed to be in the flex position. Okay. That makes perfect sense. All right. So let's get back to the high contest. So first round, John, is there, is there been any draft yet where Jonathan Taylor didn't go 1.1 in the NFFC this year? Yeah. Cooper cup's the only one who's gone one overall, but Taylor has not gone below two. He's gone first or second, every single draft. And rightfully so. I mean, we talked about this on Wednesday in our podcast. I mean, he's entering his third year, right? He's been durable at Wisconsin and at Indianapolis. He caught 40-plus passes last year. He scored 20 TDs. I mean, you can guess who's going to be better than Jonathan Taylor this year and go for it if you want. But the odds are in his favor that he's going to be the best player. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. Someone could surpass him. But the odds are in his favor because just everything, he hasn't been hurt. He's in his third year. He's in a great, better offense, right? He's got a better quarterback this year. So everything points that he should be the number one pick. So, but when you're drafting Jonathan Taylor, number one overall, this is where I think people make the mistake. You're not drafting him to be the number one overall player, even though that's oh, great. Right. You're, you're hoping that he's in the top five overall. Right? Right. That's what you're doing with your top five pick. You're saying, hey, that, you know, when I used to draft Adrian Peterson, Adrian Peterson, I, I think except for one year, was the, you know, the number one overall player. He was always like, Six overall, RB3. I mean, right. that's what you want. I My draft tip for players going for an overall contest is everyone's like, that's why I'm a no Christian McCaffrey because I think you have to have a good floor in round one yeah. and then build your upside as you go down. I have, um, if I'm going running back early, and that's how I like to draft mm-hmm. the NFFC, is I'm okay. And I know this is out of line here. This became a little hot takey, but Dalvin Cook or Najee Harris would be my second round pick. I'm mm-hmm. uh, sorry, my number two pick, because I just don't want to lose my draft in the first round. Now, starting three wide receivers in the NFFC, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, those yeah. guys make a lot of sense. Jamar Chase does not make a lot of sense for me in there, just because we saw what happened a few weeks in a row when T Higgins became the alpha Jamar mm-hmm. chase was scoring single digit fantasy points. So um, I I'm okay being, I, I need somebody to disagree with me here. So, but are you okay taking a high floor player like Dalvin cook or Najee Harris in the top two or three, not taking those wide receivers? I'm not afraid to take those wide receivers. Cause again, there's 20, 22 points per game that you're getting. I mean, what cup did last year was just insanity, 26, 28 points, you know, but I have no problem taking a wide receiver. I think there's a lot of good running backs in the second round. Aaron Jones seems to fall to 2021 an awful lot. Uh, so I like some of those guys. I would like to start with a running back if possible, but no, I'm not afraid to start with a wide receiver. Uh, I do love your analogy though. Najee Harris's floor is so high that I don't think you can go wrong there. He, he's just the bell cow back there. He's, he's durable. Uh, Cook could get hurt from time to time. Here's my feeling on McCaffrey. I mean, I know he's injury prone. Every running back is injury prone heading into this season. Now, I know he had some soft tissue issues and such, but every running back can have that. So when healthy, McCaffrey is just so damn good. So I wouldn't let McCaffrey out of my top five. I think he's that guy who could be a difference maker. Uh, but you're absolutely right. You know, he could get hurt and it could, you don't want to lose your draft in the first round, right? That's one tip that everybody says don't lose your draft in the first round. But again, you just can't plan on injuries and the running back position is so volatile that, you know, don't be so scared of injuries that you leave good talent on the floor. And again, don't be so scared of being weak at running back 
by letting a good wide receiver go in the first round. Uh, here's the deal, Alan. People are drafting modified running backs right now. There's the old zero running back strategy and all of that, but really a lot of people want to get a bell call bell cow back like Jonathan Taylor, and then maybe bang three wide receivers there, right? You've got an edge on that position right now. So I'm not sure you have to get another running back at that point. A guy like Jonathan Taylor and Najee Harris, they allow you to maybe wait on your second running back and really hit the wide receiver strong. So I wouldn't mind taking a wide receiver early, you know, maybe getting another good running back and then really pounding the wide receivers again. The wide receivers are so strong this year. So two Two comments on everything you just said there. One, if you're in a draft with me, you're not getting Aaron Jones in the second round because I'm taking him <laughs> at pick, I'm taking him at pick 10, 11, 12. Like he's yeah. just that. I, that's I. I guess my bold call for this season is Aaron Jones is just as likely as Jonathan Taylor to finish as the RB one overall. Uh, for all the reasons, I mean, it's been said many times that just look at the numbers when Devontae Adams not there, Aaron, yeah. Ro- Aaron Rodgers, circle of trust guy. Sure, A.J. Dillon takes carry. I'm just giving you the cliff notes on everything you already know. But, you know, I could see him leading the league in running back receptions this year. Uh, I'm So you're not getting Aaron Jones if you're yeah, playing. I, I think he could lead the Packers in receptions this year. I think they're going to go with the two backs this year. They're going to swing him out, line him up on a linebacker, and he's going to get the swing passes from them. You know, I know everyone's complaining about the Packers don't have the great wide receiver core. Lafleur knows how to use different formations, and they may go a lot of two tight end. They may go a lot of two running back, and that's where Jones – could lead the Packers in receptions. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, zero running back was great. The year Sean Siegel did it and won the whole thing or whatever, but I call, you know what I call zero running back zero money back. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I know. Yeah. Do that. And you're not going to, and okay, sure. Go, go have Miles Sanders and Kareem Hunt as your starters. Uh, They're going to be my RB four and five, right? I, yeah. At the end of the day, I understand that the uh, when you have to start three wide receivers, you do want three guys that you could just put in there. There was no better example of that than Julio Jones, who would be very volatile. But at the end of the year, he'd have 1,700 yards and he'd have his six or seven touchdowns. And when you have a fifth-round wide receiver and they have a bad week, if Allen Robinson comes out week one and has three for 39, mm-hmm. you're not going to want to start him in week two. And then when you bench him and he goes eight for 88 and two, you're going to be like, jet! You know, so yeah. having those three receivers that – even through the, the the thin times, you could start them. There is an advantage to that in your format with the three uh, three wide receivers. Yeah. Yeah. How if, how your players at the NFFC win leagues sometimes is really based on their tight end and quarterback strategy. What do you think is the best quarterback strategy? We'll start with that for your format in 2022. Well, I still think you wait on quarterbacks. I understand. And I think more people are doing that. I mean, right now, Josh Allen's ADP is like 38, right? I saw Mahomes go 50th the other day. I mean, fifth round for Mahomes is pretty crazy. Herbert went 47. So people are waiting on quarterbacks, even though it's six points per passing touchdown. It's six points per passing touchdown for every quarterback. Your quarterback is getting six. I'm getting six. So the difference isn't all that big. Whereas the difference between Jonathan Taylor and another running back could be 10 points on any given Sunday. So uh, I think you wait on quarterbacks. It's a deep, deep field. Listen, the people who won last year, and we can talk about this about stacking in season long as well, but last year it was Joe Burrow, right? He was QB 13, I think, last year. Joe Burrow got hot in weeks 15, 16, 17, and Jamar Chase. People who had that combination of Chase and Burrow 
won the grand prizes last year. They were so good in 15, 16, and 17. So I think you can wait. There is another Joe Burrow out there. I think you can wait on quarterbacks. So I'm seeing the sweet spot being round seven and round eight for a lot of those guys. And I think you can wait until that time. So how, okay. So seven and who's, who would be like two or three of the quarterback targets in that seventh or eighth round? Because I would say you're not getting anything higher than QB eight there. Right. I mean, so whoever possibly, I mean, Dak is going there. Uh, Kyler's going in seven, if you will. Uh, so those are the guys that, uh, I certainly would target Jalen hurts is a guy that's going in round seven. I he's going that people, late now. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised. I think he's going to move on up. As Absolutely. Our guys yeah. are on him. He's been moving on up. No doubt in that super flex. He went fifth overall. He was the fourth quarterback that yep. went in that super flex league. So absolutely. People feel that the Eagles are going to throw more this year and he's, you know, in his third year and certainly has the job right now, but this is a make or break year for Jalen hurts. But yeah, those are the type of guys you can get end of sixth round, early seventh round. And they also set him up for success, getting him an alpha wide receiver. I mean, Absolutely. this is this in the, it's funny because in dynasty, which I play a lot of dynasty, as I told you, Jalen hurts. They're a little more dubious because he's one of these guys that has, you know, QB one upside, but he cannot be the quarterback next year sure. when you're stuck yeah. with him forever. So right. I'm with you right there. Tight end. Travis Kelsey, to me, seems like a very reasonable first-round pick. I mean, who else is Mahomes going to trust when things break down? Uh, uh, Jim Coventry, uh, when we were hosting the show on Sirius, told me that he thinks that Travis Kelsey is going to get the blanket treatment and that he's a a landmine and a void for him. That is a a little bit of a hot take there. Um, Where's Travis? I'm I'm kind of on with Jim because, listen, Tyreek Hill brought the safety with him every single time, right? There isn't anybody. You can say MVS is going to clear out the safety, but I think people will let him go down the field if they want to. I think the safety is over Travis Kelsey every single down. You have to take Travis Kelsey out of this offense. So I'm concerned with Kelsey. Uh, I think he has got a chance for 150 targets for crying out loud, right? Could, it could be I, 200 targets. I it know. literally can be 200 There's really targets. No, but I think that the safety is going to be over the top of him yeah. all day long. I think he is double teamed all day long. I don't think there's anybody else that you're going to say, we got to take him out of the game on that offense. So if that's the case, if you and uh, are, are thinking that Travis Kelsey could have a rough go at it, which one of the receivers do you think will benefit the most from the double coverage? <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, I do not know who's going to benefit. Do you think it's Juju? Do you think it's MVS? I don't think it's MVS. I, I mean, I love him. He's a great guy and everything, and he can. he's fast, but – you know what? He lost Rodgers' trust right away because he just could not run routes. He just could not. Forget about the hands dropping and stuff. He was not a good route runner. But run him deep, he can do that. So I think Juju probably has the best chance to get those possession rece- receptions. The safety is going to be over the top on Kelsey. So I guess Juju would be the guy. I could and- see them doing an awful lot of like the Packers are going to do out of the backfield as well. I'm intrigued by Clyde Edwards Hilaire just because I think they could swing the ball out to him. That's what they thought they were going to do in the first year. They never did. So I think Andy's going to get a little more creative this year. I liked uh, Clyde too until they signed Jarek McKinnon because Jarek yep. McKinnon was the guy once once he was signed last year and once he got the play. Now, 
The reason I like Juju is because we saw what he could do when he had an alpha pass catcher next to him last right. time that he had that big season. It was Antonio Brown. So if right. uh, that, I, I think Juju's even a little undervalued in your format in the sixth round. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so who are some playing for a contract too, right? He signed a one year, so he's playing for a contract. So there, there's a lot to like about Juju. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. And how about so if you're not taking tight end? By the way, are you allowed to play in your own contest? No, <laughs> we have we have an auction, actually, a private auction. We beat Greg, Tom and Derek, which is next Tuesday. So we're doing an online auction against us. We all throw 50 bucks in and it's a lot of fun. So I love competing against our guys in that format. And our online auction software is just fantastic. All right. So go. So tight end strategy, then if if you're not going to be a Kelsey drafter, where do you think that the sharp players, what would be another tip for your format that players can, where do you think they should shop for tight end? Cause it looks like every step of the way, whether you want to go Andrews in round two, I yeah. see Waller and Kittle. They, nobody wants any part of them this year compared yeah. to previous years. And then it's, if not, you're just, I remember like finding a tight end in the NFFC is tough because if you're, if you're going in the tight end eight to tight, end, I mean, People uh, roster two and three tight ends, so there's literally nothing on the waiver wire Correct. towards the end there. So what do you advise? What's your next tip for tight end shopping in the NFFC? Well, tight end is very tough. I mean, again, it's like the catcher position in baseball, right? You, you hate it, but you have to have one of them at least. And In baseball, you got to have two of them. But I wait on tight ends. I know it can be disastrous. Last year, I had Evan Ingram, and I was just terrible. I cut him early, and I could yeah. not find another one. It was just a wasteland for me. And I swear, I gave up eight to nine points a week with this strategy. But I do think that there are, if you do wait on tight ends, I think Hawkinson, he's going right around 85 right That's now. That's the one. That's I think the Hawkinson one. is tight end seven. He's the guy I would target. Another one is Dallas Goddard. In that mm -hmm. offense, I think Goddard is the one to get. So he's going 96. What is that? Eighth round or so? Yep. So I think Hawkinson and Goddard are two guys that I would go for. I mean, Dawson Knox has some possibility. He's going in round 11. Friar Muth is going in round 11. Uh, How about Cole Komet? Are you on the Cole Komet thing at yeah, all? Yeah, I think he's got chance for receptions. I don't know how many touchdowns he's going to score. Mm -hmm. I think Justin Fields will run everything in, scramble, if you will. But Cole Komet could have some receptions. So Again, it's easy for me to say this. I had Evan Ingram last year. What do I know? But I do think Hawkinson, Goddard, Knox, and Friermuth are guys, if you're going to wait on tight ends, that you can win with. I'll tell you, the years that I did not uh, get a prize in the NFFC and my league prize were the years that I just had nothing at tight end. It's, tight end. It's, yep. So whereas your home league, there's always going to be tight end 13 is, is on your waiver wire in your home right. league. So you could right. be able to find that guy, even Hayden Hurst, like tight, it was going at like tight end 20 who could be in that top 10 is available. He, that, that type of player is not available. So the, no. the players that I've been targeting in the NFFC format, uh, Zach Ertz has been number one on my board, uh, you know, just, did it last year with Kyler Murray and, and all the, the players that you named. So I wouldn't get out of the first nine rounds without a tight end and a quarterback. So that's just, again, everyone has their own strategy. Some people just punt till the very end. So it's very interesting there. Yeah. Like we talked about 20 roster spots, you got 10 reserve spots. Everybody's taking two tight ends. So like you said, if you're in the, in going to the fab, you're looking at tight end 25, 26, 27, and that's not going to get the job done if you have an injury to tight end. So make sure you have two tight ends. Again, I would take a top 12 tight end for sure. I would take a top 10 tight end if I could. Like you said, in the first nine rounds, you better have a quarterback and a, and a tight end, I think. Okay, as we're getting towards the end here, I want to wrap up with a couple. Um, if, in an overall contest, so this is a tip to win the 250K. In an overall contest in a single quarterback league, 
do you think it's prudent to take a high upside guy with questions? For example, Trey Lance, Deshaun Watson, because you only need to start one and it's not a death sentence if these guys bust, would you advise pushing these guys up above ADP in your contest in order, again, if you, if you place third or 50th in your contest, you know, it's, you want to win that 250 K are those right. league winning type of moves. Yeah, they are league winning moves. No doubt about it. I mean, you're looking for that guy that busts out uh, that you have no idea with. I mean, Trey Lance was the pick last year. Him and Fields were the pick last year. I had a guy that was on our show twice saying the winner is going to be the guy who owns Trey Lance because by the end of the year, he's got a favorable <laughs> matchup. Weeks 15, 16, 17, he will be the starter. That all made sense, and it didn't work out at all, right? So certainly today we can say the same thing. Trey Lance could bust out. He's working out with, you know, Ayuk and those guys. He should be able to – know the offense better, boy, he could take off. Fields could take off. I mean, Deshaun Watson is the wild card right now, you know? And so I've seen him being drafted in round 18 or 17 because if he's not on the roster by opening day, you just cut him and you pick somebody else up, right? You can certainly do that at the quarterback position. So, yes, I think it is winning a strategy to pick up some of those guys because if they bust out, that's the winner for you for $250,000. But – Get a good quarterback first before you take that chance. That's right. for sure. Or at least a Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr type. You know, right. I mean, that's, but now that, that the news came out that Deshaun Watson might only be, you know, a quarter season, I think you're going to see his NFFC ADP climb into the 10th and 12th round with aggressive drafters. I, that's just a prediction. That's, you know, it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Um, if, so if he, if he gets off lately, there'll be a blowback from the public for sure. So we'll see what happens there. Okay, couple ADP questions for you. You watch all these draft boards, you monitor them because you need to not only just know what's going on at your own company, but you need you need content for the radio. Yes, right. And uh, I, I, by the way, I want everyone to go check out Greg uh, Greg's podcast. Just tell them where to find that because it's a regular listen for me. Yeah, it's a high stakes fantasy network podcast. Last night we did a cut line draft uh, with Maddie Davis. It was a lot of fun. So once a week we'll do a live draft. We live stream it. And uh, it's great. I mean, seeing actual results and watching the player pool, it's better than studying uh, from anything that you got on a magazine or something like that. So join us once a week. We do that. And then I've been interviewing industry high stakes players because I want to introduce our guys just to the fantasy community, just to show them these are just regular guys, right? They're just uh, fanatics. Bronies, right? Yeah, this- but then they got into high stakes and then they became good at it. And now they're really good at it. So yeah. it's my job to introduce the high stakes players to the fantasy community. And that's what I do with these interviews, these one-on-one interviews. Yeah. And you're, and you're great. Anyone who's, who's a skilled interviewer, I admire, cause that's what I like to do. I like to have, I like talking to people, you know yeah. I mean? It's, you know, I, I could be on the telephone having the same conversation with you and yeah. uh, it, your podcast is a regular listen for me. I advise everyone. I'll I'm an old newspaper you. guy. So I know how to ask the right questions because if you don't, the guy just walks away or he gives you a bullshit answer and you're like, Oh my goodness, I should have asked him this. So you certainly got to pre- be prepared with the questions that you're going to ask so that you can get good quotes for the newspaper is how I figure it out. Right. And then you figure out a way, you know, it's funny. I could do a whole podcast with just figuring out how to like on the art of podcasting, on the art of interviewing. I find it yeah. fascinating. And when I listen to other podcasters in, in our industry and in other industries, and it's just, I'm always studying the technique because it's something I endeavor to get good at, but well, 
you're, you're, you're writing a story is how I figure it, right? You know, I've, I'm again, if I'm writing a story, I know what my lead's going to be. I know what my middle's going to be. And I know how I want to close out and end it, right? And a podcast is the same way. You have an outline of what you want to do. And then the conversation takes over. But you want to end that podcast from where you started it and leave people with something to think about. And so it's just like writing a story. It really is. It's just using your mouth instead of your fingertips. Yeah. And um, that's a way more uh, exquisite way of saying it. I was going to say hook value call yeah. to action. Yeah. Right. You know, those are the three steps in any video format. Uh, I want to ask about a couple ADPs with our last few minutes here. Who's an ADP that you've seen in the NFFC high stakes contests that is you just can't believe they're going this late. Like if you were playing, you would be like, I'm drafting this guy every single time. You're asking me a content question. I'm just supposed to run these damn questions. So. I, I mean, All is right. a DK Metcalf falling like multiple rounds? Is there, uh, is there a, a quarterback that, I mean, you, you said Mahomes already. You can't believe he's a fifth round pick. I understand why, but who would be, you know, and, and I'm going to ask you the, the inverse as well. I'm going to say who, and I could, a player like, for example, that goes earlier in the, your drafts, anytime somebody drafts Chris Godwin, I just laugh. Yeah. I'm like, the guy's not coming back until Halloween, probably Thanksgiving, maybe Christmas. Yeah. So, so the, the two guys that Tom and I have been talking about on our show, on our Wednesday night series XM show is Godwin for sure. I mean, ACL injury, you know, he's going to be out six late. weeks a and late he injury. may not even come back. I mean, he got right. hurt on January 1st for crying out loud. I think it's the old Adrian Peterson. You know, he came back so fast that everybody's going to come back that fast. And that's just not the case. So we had Dr. Chow on our podcast and uh, he's the best. And he said too, he's not going to be ready. And when he does come back, he's not going to be a hundred percent. He's going like 53, 54. There's just, it's inexplicable that people are picking Chris Godwin that early. And so we are way off of him for sure. I mean, the one that we've been talking about the most is Camara. Tom feels like he's not going to get suspended. I feel like no. it's a danger. He's, his, his pick is number 30 right now, ADP in the online championship in the last two weeks. Uh, he's gone 39th recently. Uh, we did the FSGA draft. A guy took him 13th. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense because right. there's no value with picking him at 13. He's got to finish top 13, right? Uh, and that's just not going to happen, I don't think. So I'm worried about Kamara being suspended. I'm worried about the offense, too. I'm not so sure that's a great offense without Sean Payton there right now. So Kamara is the wild card. Tom says he would take him top 20. 30 is even too high for me right now. Yeah, I'm with you. And it's not because he's not worth of that spot. It's just because look who you can get. That you can get equal production, maybe, and they're assured to be there. Uh, you know, it's pick 36 or out of the third round, like anytime in the fourth round, it's okay. You want to win an overall contest, that's the spot if you want to take on that risk. I understand it. Right. And especially, you can get Mark Ingram in the 15th round in your, in your drafts. And, you know, it's not, I mean, Mark Ingram is not Mark Ingram from, uh, you know, eight years ago, but it's still 11 points a game. I mean, it's something. You we know, just you talked need. about that on Wednesday night. Tom was saying, how can you not handcuff him? And, you know, I wouldn't take Ingram without Camara, but I would yeah. handcuff him for sure. Well, so, uh, no I was going to tell you, I'll tell you where I would take Ingram because he's the guy like nobody, him and Marlon Mack, nobody yeah. wants them, but they're presumed stars. So if you're going to be aggressive on a rookie running back, I would say you don't have to handcuff him. But those two players that I just named are guys that could fill in because even Jonathan Taylor, his rookie year, I mean, he was droppable after six weeks. He was. <laughs> he yep. was like, and then he won you the league. So you have right. to be careful of things like that. Right. Uh, and I don't think anyone thinks Marlon Mack or Mark Ingram are going to be the presumed starters uh, after Thanksgiving of this year. Yep. All right. 
couple more quick ones. Who are a couple of the guys going late in drafts in the NFFC that you see some of the sharp guys taking that you're like, oh, yeah, I could see it. Uh, even though, I mean, there's a reason they're going in the 16th, 17th, 18th round. But who are a couple of the ones that a tip for your league format, which, again, Boy. taking someone like Josh, I'm, uh, I'm killing time while you look at your ADP list. Well, you know, <laughs> taking yeah. Josh Palmer is not the type of guy I take because it's almost impossible to see the upside uh, unless there's like multiple injuries and target redistribution. I like to stop with my last six picks. It's like almost all running backs at that point, one injury away, two injury away. So who are a couple of the guys that if you were playing in your own contest that you would populate your roster with? Well, I don't, I'm not, I don't have a winning formula there because I'm not actually playing these contests, but I will say here's, here's the winning formula that I've seen from Chad Schroeder. And I think a lot of people talk about this. And I asked Chad when we were on our contest, Chad has won an overall contest in the past because he had that backup running back before anybody else had him. And then when he became the starter, Chad got him. He wasn't wasting hundreds of dollars in fab on him. So to me, finding that running back that can replace the starter later on in the season, he can win you a title. Here, here's one. Damian Williams, right, in yes. 2019. Hold on, round of applause because nobody likes him. I like that one. But Damian Williams got the job on the last fab of the season. On the Friday night during Thanksgiving break, he got that job. Chad picked him up for a dollar, won the overall. And, I mean, he did that in a lot of leagues where he picked him up. But, again, that's one example of, yes, you got to pick. But you have to just try to get as many running back backups as you can on your roster, I think. And you churn through them during the season. But when that starter goes down, you got to have them on your roster. Because if you don't, it's $600 in fab for them. So, I guess, without naming a player, I would just say try to get as many backup running backs with your last picks, because one of them could take off and win you the $250,000. Right. I mean, if it happens in, and I love that because if you, it happens in week one or week two, it's worth the 600, the 60% uh, of budget. Elijah Mitchell last year, there right? He went for $700 and he was very good, but he came out of the blue, looked great in week one. You go in and you get them. But what I'm saying is during the year, look at the backup for the main guy, whether, you know, Jonathan Taylor, like you say, but whoever, if there's a guy out on fab who, could get the job. Let's just keep an eye on it. You throw him on your roster. Two weeks later, nothing. Churn through, get another guy. That's how you win because that backup running back could be the savior in weeks 15, 16, and 17. I'm here with Greg Ambrosius from the NFFC High Stakes Fantasy Football Contest, what I think is the best fantasy contest in the entire industry. A lot of people agree with me. I play every year. I'll be playing this year, and I'm going to link how to get to the NFFC. It's playnffc.com. It'll be linked in the video description below. And just give everyone the 30-second pitch as to if they haven't yet played on your platform, why they should. And like I said, I, I could do it all. You, I'm sure you're the best pitch man for it, and I would stake my, my reputation on that. You'll enjoy it as well. But why should they come over and play in 2022? Well, I mean, there's a lot of sites out there and we love them all. I mean, it's great to have different formats, play them all if you want to. But the one thing you can definitely trust with us is you're going to get paid at the end of the season. And I think some people take that for granted, but we definitely, we've given over $82 million in prizes since 2004. And so we're very reputable. As far as the software, I mean, the software is second to none right now. Drafting, fab is so easy. We now have a fab fab copy list 
tool, which will save you so much time if you do multiple leagues on our format. Uh, the competition is not only very good, it's very fair. We've looked at the rules, and third-round reversal makes it more fair for every draft spot. KDS allows you to tell us where you'd like to draft so that you get input in your draft spot. We try to make it as fair as possible. Uh, the FAB, $1,000 FAB, no $0 bids. Once you use your FAB, you're done. I mean, Why, why no $0 bids? But I've always wondered because why. Because strategy is managing your budget, right? Yeah. And okay. so if you're in your league and everybody spent 700 on Elijah Mitchell or whoever, and now they all have $0, they can still pick up people. That's not fair for the overall competition, right? That's fair. You right. don't know how many $0 bids are in one league and how many are in another league. Some league could benefit by having $0 bids. So when you're doing the national contest, every league has to be the same. They have to have the same players available. They have to have the same fab amount available. So that's what we try to do to make it as fair as possible for everybody competing for that overall contest. And uh, this is our 19th year, Alan. Next year will be our 20th anniversary for baseball and football it's hard to believe that I've spent most of my time doing this. I used to be a content guy. I never imagined being a game operator, and now that's what I do for a living. But uh, you, you do both, actually. I don't know if you realize you still are a content creator. And I, I guess I am a content creator. <laughs> the, the one thing I love about our contest, we're content creators for other sites, for other podcasts and stuff. They use our ADPs. You know, here's one thing I'll throw out there: we used to cherish our ADPs. We let the people who were in contests have the ADPs because they were generating them, right? Then it's I realized there was great content out there, and it was a good PR for us, too. If everybody could see our ADPs, maybe they'd want to play. So our ADPs are free for everybody. And not only are they free, you can dissect from one start date time to an end start or end time. So last two weeks, last five days, last six days, you can do all that at playnffc.com slash ADP. So Come play at our contest. I think you'll trust us and you'll love the competition. And I'll vouch for anyone who's a regular listener to this podcast and, you know, and, and has faith in what we've done over here. I, I rubber stamp this. I'll be there. And I will announce um, shortly on Twitter or wherever when the beat Alan Soslowski, as long as a Peter, he said yes. But until it happens, I, you know, we'll I'm the one happens. making the decision. I can <laughs> his arm. You pick a date and time. We'll promote it and we'll get her done. All right. I, pre I appreciate it, man. All right, everybody go follow Greg and Brocious on Twitter. It's linked in the video description below or in the podcast below. Greg, you're always generous with me. You're always generous with to wire and we support everything you're doing and we'll be back next week uh special guest chris Liss is coming out from the dregs <laughs> to make an appearance on the road wire podcast as a guest as a guest believe it or not so all right we'll see everybody next week good luck in your fantasy league doors, doors. The sun goes down on my side of town that lonesome feeling comes